0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry.
1: From behind the end line, they put him again, it's Barry.
0: And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hey everybody, Rick Barry here on Warriors Twenty Four with my sidekick. Yes, that's right, the Surf Man himself, Cyrus Satches. Uh, and we've got what? Boy, boy, a lot of things going on, Cyrus, since we last talked. And uh, we've got a special guest that's going to be joining us in a while. Why don't you tell everybody about her?
2: Yeah, uh, we've had. She's been on the show before, about a year ago. Kristen Peak. She's a she's a draft expert. Uh, she works for Yahoo Sports, for Rivals. Like, like She really is, uh, sorry to be redundant, an expert when it comes to prospects. And so what we really want to pick a brain on is the two Warrior draft picks that they had, the lottery picks, uh, Kaminga and, and Moses Moody, um, who in their debut in Summer League looked great. But I know, Rick, you have a lot of opinions on them that are not positive, at least from our discussions that we had, and we'll get into that. But Rick, first of all, uh, this show is now called The Rick Barry Show your name is on the placard like this is your show i am your sidekick uh our little show became a network we now have two shows we're we're, we're gonna have like a secondary show all on the same screen stream if you subscribe already both shows will just keep showing up um but yeah this is now the rick berry show and then we'll have a secondary show that's going to be shorter just more for updates quick commentary and that's going to be called Warriors 24/7, just because it's going to be more uh, more regular, updated content. So, um, but yeah, this is the Rick Barry Show, rightfully so. It took us a while to get the name changed, and uh, this is now your program. So, Rick, uh, yeah, this is this is the name of the show is after you, sir, and rightfully so. By the way, you are in Chicago co- coaching the Big Three again, is that correct? How's yeah, that going? Yeah,
0: I, I can't see you. You're not there. You go. Now you're in front of your, your well. My door. mic is so over
2: you're... here, so I, I, I duck over I to talking to the mic, and then yeah.
0: That's <laughs> a no problem. Because the thing is, that eventually I just got something from Believe that they're talking about that maybe may be a situation where they're going to have a YouTube time and we might be able to do some where it's video. I don't know if I necessarily like that because a lot of times I look like crap and I don't really want to be on video.
2: <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to.
0: That's the that. I understand. Uh, so anyway, I, I, so that's good. Yeah, and it, and actually it's kind of good because the thing is, is that this way we can talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. and We'll exactly. sort of focus in on basketball. And a lot of times, a lot of things happen in the world of sports. That are worthy of some commentary, uh, so we might be able to have a little fun with that as well.
2: All right, time to take a quick break to talk to you about Bet Online. If you're in a sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, information for all your online sports betting needs. The NFL is coming back. Baseball you can bet on, UFC's always got action, betonline.ag is the website. Visit that website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts.
0: Well, let's get into talking a little bit Um uh I, you know what? I'm going to say my comments about the draft things until until uh, Kristen joins us, because uh, I want to you know get her, let her hear what I have to say and then see what she has to say. If she agrees with me or disagrees with me, it'll be kind of fun to do that. But meanwhile, there's, there's still some other issues as to what they're going to do. I guess the biggest story that came out, I was reading about today was the, the Kelly Oubre situation. So your, your your thoughts on that, that they got a guy that they spent all that damn extra money for, who was a total disappointment for the first third of the season and, you know, and then played reasonably well. But they wound up getting nothing for him. They didn't do it before the trade deadline. That they're going to get nothing for him. All that money was spent, and you have nothing to show for it. So uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Criticisms coming out. Let me get this off my chest because play, play, play okay, drives me crazy. I need it right now. Let's go. And <laughs> I need it right away to start off the show. We got to get this out of the way. Are you ready? So put that baby up there. Get my drives me crazy up there. I gotta because this one does drive me crazy. <laughs>
2: Sorry about that. So there we go. And
0: there are things, a lot of stuff in life drives me crazy. I tell you, trust me, when you get a little bit older, folks, more things will drive you crazy and you have less tolerance and patience for it. So the Warriors went through an extended period of time, over a decade or more, without even getting into the playoffs, right? They had ownership that was, I mean, so questionable, it was pathetic. And then Joe Lacob comes along. OK, and, and Joe does what I thought he was going to do, was willing to spend this money, did it and brought in the greatest five year run of any team in the history of the NBA. Right. For wins and stuff. OK, could Correct. have easily been five championships. Really? OK, we've talked about that before. But so like, real quick, to just study. say,
2: just say, interrupt you real quick, Rick. Does Peter Gruber deserve to be named every time? Like, why is Joe well, Lake well, always the Joe's headliner? Kind of the guy
0: that's out there running more of the stuff, and Peter Gruber. You know, Peter Peter's in there all the time. Peter Gruber's in there, but he he doesn't really ha- have his hands on as much as Joe does. Gotcha. So I mean, Joe is kind of like the face of the two of them. I mean, it's like Batman and Robin. You know, so at least <laughs> okay. Joe Joe's Batman, and Peter would be Robin. Um, and, and then they probably have you know other people you throw myers in there someplace along the line i don't know right it would, you know, anyway so here we go so he gets done with the five thing and now all of a sudden the kelly rubre thing happens and everybody's saying we need to get rid of myers and we need to get rid of joe lakeup these guys are horrible they're cheap they don't want to spend any money i mean what is wrong with you fans i mean seriously all of these you see backseat drivers well we have the backseat gms and the backseat owners <laughs> all these guys who think that they have the answer they're so incredibly critical it's amazing to me how people just love to criticize people that they have no idea sometimes what the heck is going on, what the inner workings are. Do you honestly think that an owner and a general manager are going to tell you everything has transpired? I mean, seriously. No. There's not a chance in hell that that's ever going to happen. They know things. They're dealing with things that will never become public. And then somebody gets a story from somebody else, which is, of course, then secondhand stuff. So the bottom line of it is, is Joe's done an amazing job. He's trying to do the best that he possibly can. I know one thing for a fact, Joe Lakeup does not want to have and be the owner of a losing team. Right. Okay. And so he's going to try to do whatever he can to try to make it happen. My thing that is disturbing to me is the fact that we can't waste another season. Correct. Because of the age of some of their people, of Steph Curry and, and, and with Clay and with Draymond. The time is now. you got to do something now for the next at least three seasons to put yourself in contention to be a champion again. And what's transpired has got me worried, to be perfectly honest.
2: Agreed. This is the first time I've ever been worried and I've ever questioned the Lake of Bob Myers regime. Until this offseason, I I thought, like, Rick, you and I, I feel like, are very logical individuals. Uh, You can, we have pragmatism in our bones. You can see decisions that are right and wrong, clearly. This Kelly Oubre Jr. thing, and again, we've we've talked about this a lot. I personally am just not a fan of losing an asset and getting nothing in return. What's really crazy is the fact that Lacob supposedly spent $80 million in luxury tax fees last year to bring him in. And All for nothing, for nothing. You just lost him for absolutely nothing. I am waiting to see interviews from these individuals. I would love to hear Bob Myers uh, next time he's he's questioned and interviewed or Lakob. I want them to answer the question, did you try to re-sign Kelly Oubre Jr.? And if yes, why did he say no when he kept saying in interviews he wanted to come back? He signed a deal for two years, $26 million. That's $13 million a year. That's actually less than what the Warriors paid him last year. So I I just, you're right. I'm, I'm completely baffled because I do not like losing an asset for absolutely nothing. On top of that, Oubre Jr signed this deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Speculation abound that Michael Jordan, the owner of the Hornets and Joe Lacob just really do not get along. I don't know if it's a clash of egos. So even if Oubre had signed a 3-year deal, which is the minimum deal you need to execute a sign and trade, I don't think Jordan would have done that. And so so you basically like just you you, you it was just such a risky naive decision on the Warriors' part to let Oubre kind of explore the field and see what the market is for him which ended up being less than he wanted but you lost him for nothing you you lost him for absolutely nothing I understand that Oubre wants to be a starter but I feel like you could have negotiated that and at least given him a chance to battle for the position in in training camp not to mention he's not going to be a starter for the Hornets So clearly, that was not a hard stipulation on Kelly Oubre Jr.'s part to be a starter because he is not going to be a starter on that Hornet scene. From what I've read, he's going to come off the bench. So basically, you saw him walk away for less money than he was making when he played for you. You saw him walk away for a bench role that he supposedly did not like, and you got nothing in return. And today, we're celebrating and recording this today on uh, August 6th at around 1.30 p.m., and and we're celebrating Andre Iguodala coming back. I love Iguodala being back, but he's 38 years old. I mean, what do you expect from him? He's not hes not the same guy five years ago, uh, you know, making an impact in the NBA finals on LeBron James. That is not the same guy you're getting. You're, you're getting almost more like a player coach who's going to give you like 15, 20 minutes a game. Yeah, I don't understand it, Rick. I'm with you. What are they doing? Like, what's the game plan here? Now here's another decision I, I, I'm really baffled about. And I'm, I'm wondering, and I'm hoping that there are bigger, there's a bigger play, a bigger plan at play here. Why trade Eric Pascal for nothing? Why do you give him just away for nothing? I mean, I feel like you could have gotten some value back for him. I mean, he was not a scrub. I know his second year he was injured and his numbers went down a little bit, but this is a player, a big man who was producing who was able to, to make easy baskets? Who was making smart decisions out there? You gave him away for a protected second round pick, which basically means you're not going to get anything back for him. I, I I'm just I'm I you, I'm with you. I do not understand what the Warriors are doing. I'm hoping the next time we host a show, suddenly like we'll, the the picture will be clear in terms of their big plans. But right now, what the fuck are you doing? Because I do not get it. Okay,
0: we'll bleep that. Uh, but, <laughs> so it, it all led up to that, to the big F word. Um, well, here's the thing. I, it would be nice if they came out and just basically said, I think what they realized is that, hey, we made a mistake with Kelly Oubre. It did not turn out. We thought it was going to be something that would be beneficial for us. It was not beneficial. His market value was not what we were hoping it would be. There obviously were not a lot of teams out there who had a great desire to get him, especially for the kind of dollars we were talking about. And we just said, so you know what? We're going to lick our wounds and we're going to move on. I would rather just, you know, just say that. I mean, if that's the case, just say that. We decided that he wasn't going to be a good fit for us. We didn't want to have to deal with it. Chemistry is a big part of it. You got a guy saying, "Hey, I want to be a starter," do you? You know, you got a guy now sitting on your bench that is not happy. I mean, do you need that? Seriously, do you really truly need that? And there are some other people out there that we'll talk about in a little bit that they may be able to pick up some, you know, veteran guys that could could help and do some things. You know, it can be used in certain circumstances, like you say, for, you know, sparing time, but also you also right. a quality person with the attitude that you need to have, who's going to be good to be good against, especially some of the younger players on the team. So right. I'm not overly, I'm not overly worried about what happened there, but just tell us, I mean, if, if you screwed up and say, Hey, we tried, we don't know how much they tried. They could have tried everything in the world to get something for, for Kelly, but there was nothing there and they couldn't pull it off. And so. But just tell us, tell us what happened, you know, put it to rest. And if you screwed up, say, hey, we screwed up. But there's nothing wrong with saying you screwed up. Everybody right. screws up. Right? I think I mean, people people,
2: people respect you when you admit that you're wrong. We're all human beings here. It's it's those who 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 take the the, the high almighty road and refuse to admit that they're making mistakes that annoys people and gets on your nerves. Or try and, to justify
0: what they or try to just worse the worst case is try to justify what you did when you know you screwed up.
2: Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So So, I, and what about the Eric Pascal thing? Like, are we like, well, again,
0: again, be honest about it. And maybe in their mind, they didn't feel that he was going to be a person to be a part of a championship team and what he brought to the table. And we don't know what they're going to do. There's some guys that I'm looking at here as far as some of the uh, mid-level exception thing that are pretty nice players that may bring a little more to the table. And they were saying, well, we'll just let him go and do it. We got somebody here that they may like, and they may be signing here in the next day or two who knows, that they're going to bring to the table that they felt would be a better fit for the team.
2: Here is one theory that I haven't heard anyone say, and, and I'm I'm just presenting this. And this is to me, this is one of the few things that Mike make makes sense ultimately of everything that's going on. Um, the Warriors just signed their two lottery picks, right? Kaminga and, and Moses Moody, and, and we're gonna be joined by Chris and Peak here very shortly. <laughs> And uh, she'll give us some great insights on whether or not those are their solid draft picks, at least from their initial summer league debut, they did look amazing. I mean, the potential is clearly there. But at the same time, 30 days from now, or I guess now 29 or 28 days from now, because these players are signed, now you can trade them and maybe throw in a third player and you can get back a quality player. Like we're hearing Ben Simmons a lot, for example, right? Like you could, in theory, pull a trade of Kaminga, moody and just and maybe one other guy for a ben simmons type because now that they're under contract and I, and I looked this up it's you can trade them 30 days after they sign their rookie deals because you have to match salaries now you can actually trade these guys instead of just trading a draft pick that has no financial value to it and i'm starting and we're seeing chris and peak joining us in just a second here my, my theory again i'm hoping this might be what is going on is that the warriors are ultimately going to trade their rookies for a star veteran. Otherwise, I have no idea what they're doing. So that's that's our spiel on the Warriors right now. Kristen is with us, by the way. Kristen, how you doing?
1: I'm great. Um, I just got into Las Vegas for summer league. I'm hitting an AAU event um the first couple days. But yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm excited. I am excited to see the Warriors rookies on the court. I watched, you know, a couple of their uh, summer league games,
0: but, um, I'm excited. Great. Nice to see you, Kristen. Hello. It, Appreciate hello. you joining us once again. It was fun having you the last time. We look forward to your, your thoughts on, uh, on the two rookies. That's the biggest thing going on right now. And I will make this statement right now. I was waiting for you to come on because I didn't want to waste it without you being on the show. Cause I'd have to repeat it again. So here's the deal. I hate being wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, but from the bottom of my heart, I'm praying that what I'm about to say is wrong, okay? Because I don't understand how a team picking seventh in the draft can choose a player who has the statistics that Kaminga has. He may be a hell of an athlete, and I keep saying this all the time. Guys get so hung up on athleticism, but I'll tell you, you take the athletes, give me the guys who know how to play. I just don't understand it. To shoot the horrible percentage from threes and twos in the free throw line to give him multi-millions of dollars and say, this guy has a big upside, I I, I just have a real problem with that. So I want to hear, and I, I hope I'm going to be wrong on this, I, I just don't know how great a player he's going to turn into. I saw a couple of the plays he did, amazing, you know, quickness, athleticism, can jump out of the gym, all that wonderful stuff, but he can't shoot, and I don't know how today that you can, have a, you can have a wing player on an NBA basketball team that is a lousy three-point shooter. Why in the hell would you ever want a player who can't shoot the ball on your team the way the game is played today? So I'll leave it up to you to tell me about why the Warriors took him and what you think of him.
1: I mean, you're you're right about his low shooting percentage, but he only played 13 games in the G League. So let's cut him a little slack, right? I mean, I've known Kaminga since he was a sophomore in high school. And he has always been, you know, the ISO player that has the ball with the shot clock winding down. He's a great, he's great off the dribble. Um, And I think he just struggled against, and he was trying, he didn't have enough time to find his footing in the G League. Uh, He thought he could make those shots, those same shots that he was making in high school. And let's not forget, like, he reclassed up. And so he was playing against professionals in the G League when he should have been a senior in high school. So he's one of the youngest players in this draft class, and he is one of the most NBA-ready bodies. We saw that in the summer league game, being able to, banging the post and defense and he led the G League Ignite team in rebounds i think he had something like 95 rebounds and in those 13 games um he did sit out the last three games with a knee injury and went down to Miami to try to rehab that and get ready for the draft but his mindset is there i just saw him at Nike Peach Jam uh the week leading into the draft and we had a chat and it was one of those things where we were watching Amani Bates play and Amani is one of the i don't know if you know who Amani Bates is he's one of the most uh, highly touted high school prospects coming up. He just actually reclassified to, uh, to the senior class, but he's been hailed as the next Kevin Durant. And he went one for eight in the first quarter. And I turned to Kaminga and I just said, I was like, you know what? They've been here for eight days. Like he's having an off game and Kaminga looked me like dead in the face. And he said, it doesn't matter. Like if you are a player, you compete, no matter if it's eight days in, if it's 82 games, like you come out and you compete every night so he has the mindset of a winner and i honestly i think he's a dog on the court and i think warriors fans and you are going to be pleasantly surprised in what he does his rookie season
2: i well, love hearing the that thing.
0: but here's the problem the problem is is that he's got to do it now Yep. i mean you can't hope that he's going to develop into a really good player in a year or two uh because it has to be done now and this, how does a guy who's such a bad shooter How do you fit into a team that you really need to shoot the basketball in today's NBA? I'm sorry. If you can't shoot a three-point shot and you're a wing player, I don't want you. Yeah, but you
1: you have to understand this isn't a James Wiseman situation where he's going to need a year or two for development. I think he's already there and you're going to be shocked by his instant impact on the team. He has great basketball IQ. He's great off the pick and roll. Does his shot need improving. But yeah, we could have said the same thing about LaMelo Ball and he was rookie of the year last year. He only shot 26%. When he was at the nbl so he still averaged 16 points per game in the g league so it's not like he's not scoring points so i, I don't have a problem with that well game.
0: hey I'm, I'm glad that you're happy i hope i'm wrong i i really truly hope i'm wrong because i just want to see this team have a chance to compete for the championship and they need that now the only beauty part of this is is that he's got a couple of guys on that team that could certainly help him develop a shooting mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can teach somebody to become a better shooter and so the thing I wasn't, know because I'm not that familiar with him, didn't really see him play a bunch, is that the one thing that you said that's encouraging to me is that you said he has a great feel for the game. And if he really has a great feel of the game, he's a hell of an athlete. Now you have a chance to become something special. Hopefully it happens as quickly as possible so that he can bring something to the table and, and be an asset to the team.
1: Right. I agree.
2: And you know, I, if I remember correctly, uh, and by the way, you can follow Kristen Peak on Twitter, just your name, correct? Kristen, yes. K-R-Y-S-T-E-N, Peak. Uh she, Again, and you're phenomenal when it comes to um, analyzing, evaluating prospects. Uh, we had you on last year. You recommended Lamella Ball for the Warriors and they ended up going with Wiseman. So it's still to be determined whether that was the right pick or not. Uh, Kaminga, I remember on a lot of uh, stories I was reading, being projected as a top five pick. He was originally in that group of five that everyone thought was the special group, did he fall to seven? And in your opinion, um, did the Warriors make the right pick?
1: I think they did. And honestly, he fell and uh, because for off the court stuff that was going on with the pre-draft process. You know, his brother was running the show and he was only saying, we're going to work out for this team, this team, this team. And so it kind of, it put a lot of teams off. And, you know, his brother is a great guy. I know his brother really well, but he's not an agent. He doesn't know this world. He doesn't know how to, you know, he doesn't know how to go through the draft process. So it really just, it put off a lot of teams and the way things were being run. And they thought they're like, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, He might have great upside, but we'd rather take a player, you know, like Jalen Suggs, who's a little more polished and we know exactly what we're getting from him. Gotcha. Uh,
2: how do you judge summer league? I mean, we've 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 only had one game so far where Kaminga played and Moses Moody played, and we're definitely going to talk about him with you as well. They looked good. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm understating saying that. Like they, I mean, I, I think anyone who who follows basketball and knows basketball, they saw they saw something there that could be amazing. Um, how, but how much should we take into summer league? Is that something that we could read into as fact, or should we just take that with a grain of salt?
1: I think so. I think summer league is a great benchmark for what these rookie players are going to do in their, their first year in the season. And, you know, and then sometimes in some cases, like if you think back to what Trey young did is during summer league, I think he shot the ball horrendously. So he's kind of like, you know, the, the other side of the, of the pendulum, but I love summer league. I think uh, the players that play the actual play there a couple of years ago where it's like John Morant sat out. Deandre Ayton and Marvin Bagley, like the top guys, none of them played. Luka Doncic didn't play, um, and so I'm excited that every player that I talk to, they're like, "Yes, I, we want to play, we want to play." So it'll be a great benchmark, and this is one of my favorite draft classes of all time in terms of depth and talent and ceiling. So I'm excited. I I think you can read into as much as you want, or if things start to get negative, then you're like, "Okay, it's just summer league. Like they're just." dusting off the cobwebs <laughs> from the pre-draft right. process and, and getting ready for the season.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the other pick that the Warriors had, Moses Moody. Um, obviously, you're well more versed in this and you've watched these young people uh, on a regular basis. So tell us your thoughts on on Moses and what what uh, you know, give me his give me his strengths and weaknesses on both ends of the court.
1: So for Mo, I mean, obviously is great size. Um, he's a fantastic shooter. You have to remember Moses Moody has been playing alongside great players his entire career. He played at Mount Verde and what I think is the best high school basketball team to ever play. And he played alongside Kay Cunningham, number one pick um, himself. And then it was Scotty Barnes, number four pick and Dayron Sharp, um, who I think was a late first rounder and they just killed everyone. And so Mo Mo knows he knows how to win and he also knows his role like Cade was obviously the star and so he just camped out the corner wing 3 3 and that's exactly what he did at Arkansas he was a great shooter at Arkansas and uh, I think he was SEC freshman of the year averaged nearly 18 points and 6 rebounds so great size i would say his downsize is his athleticism and speed i think he might be a little bit of a liability on defense just with the faster, stronger guards and wings, but because of his length and size, I think that'll make up for it. Um, you know, in contesting shots.
0: Well, that's encouraging to hear that. I mean, obviously the warriors to really be helpful to them, they got to be able to shoot the three point shot. So the fact that he can shoot the three point shot is a very big positive. Uh, I'm not so worried about the fact about you say he against the quicker guards or whatever it may be, because it's not individual defense that wins for you. It's team defense that wins for you. And if he understands the game and he knows how to play team defense, he still could be a, a great asset. I always look at it. Give me a guy who knows how to play team defense. And if he's a good individual defender, I've got a real bonus. That's a bonus. You know, I, I Give me 12. To, I'll take 12 team defenders. You can take 12 great individual defenders and I'll beat you most of the time. It's just that simple in the game of basketball. So, great to hear that with his size and all that other good it stuff. It is, and, and his attitude. See, the thing you brought up that is good: the attitude that he knows his role. He knew he had another player there. He was willing to take a subservient role and to do that. And and hopefully he'll get his chance to show what he's capable of doing. I know what that's like, Kristen. Okay, I went to the Houston Rockets and took a subservient position. Okay, <laughs> and was well, no, seriously, and everybody I know, said, "I, well, I can't." Well, no, they said I can't play anymore because you know I only averaged twelve points a game and all. that. said, but hell, I didn't hardly shoot the ball, and I was, you know, I was in the top ten in assists, and I was passing the ball to two Hall of Famers and another great player like Mike Newland. But I was passing the Hall of Famer Kevin, you know, to uh, to Calvin Murphy and passing it to Moses Malone and another great player, Rudy Tomjanovich. So we have plenty of guys that could score. I mean, so I, I I I'm glad that he's willing to be a role player, and hopefully his role will evolve so that he'll become a more valuable part. But the fact that he can spot up and shoot. The way the Warriors play, it won't be spot up. It'll be pass, cut, move. Yep. It'll be good, sound, fundamental basketball that he'll be a part of. And he'll thrive in that if he is the quality player that you've just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. He's got a great attitude. I talked to him on draft night, and he's so excited just to get to work and soak up as much as possible and learn. And he he wants to step up and be that asset this year. You know, that, that guy that, that they can rely on off the bench to come in and give solid minutes, like if Clay needs a break or – anybody else you know to be able to play his role and do his part in those minutes yeah
2: that's incredible yeah it does i mean we started this we started this podcast with doom and gloom talking about the warriors losing Ubre jr for nothing you know they're they're not really making a big impact in the free agency market you're making at least me feel better uh just from the fact that kaminga i mean moody was projected to get picked much higher i was very surprised he fell to 14. um so if the warriors to get him and i know they wanted him from the start uh, thanks for making me feel better. Uh, you know. I know you guys
1: should be completely positive about these two guys. I mean, I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen them a lot on the high school scene. I saw how they dominated. I know how they approach the game and their mentality. And this isn't just like, okay, we made it in a paycheck. Like Moses even said to me before we even started our interview on draft night, I was, I just said to him, I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like to see how hard you've worked. Now you've realized your dreams. He said. KP, it's not over yet. Like, this just the beginning. Like, yeah, we're here, but I'm ready to get to work. There's more to be done. And so he. it's not just like, okay, I made the MBA. He's like, no, like, we, we got to get to work.
0: Well, that's great that they're quality individuals, because I think that's an important part, because as you well know, and you've probably heard the stories about it. I mean, one clubhouse lawyer could screw up an entire team. I mean, you don't need somebody with the horse shit attitude uh, that's right. on your basketball team. And if they're smart. No, And, and seriously, you just, you, you, you just can't have those kinds of players. I mean, I think that's one of the things. After you make a determination to the value of a player from a skill level as to whether he's going to be able to help your team with the skills that he possesses, the other just as important running like 1A and 1B, you know, you got a dual entry there. Uh, it's a situation where you want to have people there who are going to be a positive influence on your team, who are not going to be causing issues and problems because they feel like, as I felt before you got on to talk to Cyrus, I think having Kelly Oubre on the team is something I wouldn't have wanted as a general manager because here's a guy who wants to be a starter. He's probably not going to be. So you know you got a player on your team who's not a happy camper and, and, and you don't want that. So you got to have people willing to accept what their roles are and be good quality individuals. So it's really great to hear that about two of those guys. So I'm hoping that I'm going to be wrong about this. And so, you know, Kaminga, I'll be pulling for you. Listen to Steph Curry, listen to Clay Thompson, let them help you with your shooting. And you do all the other great things that you do and turn yourself into a three-point shooter. You should be out there shooting 500 to 1,000 three-point shots every day from now until the start of the season.
2: (laughs) I really wish, Kristen, I really wish the Warriors would bring you in as an assistant GM. Uh, You know, the Warriors fan base is so uh, livid uh because of the fact that mike dunleavy jr was hired a couple years ago to to as their assistant gm basically we don't have good memories of him as a player since he's come on the decision making on the personnel level has been questionable at best you seem to be very accurate and very prescient when it comes to uh prospects and, and the draft um so lakub myers if you're listening kristen p consider her none of us want mike dunleavy jr no offense to mike he's a nice guy but just move on from him please uh by the way uh, uh, uh you know last year you said the warriors should have drafted lamella ball instead of james wiseman and in hindsight i think most people would say you're correct Um, one of our, one of our, uh, followers on Twitter at John 99 little, he had a question for us regarding James Wiseman. Uh, it's a year later now. Um, what's your value? And this is for both of you. What's your evaluation of him? What potential do you still see? And how does he fit with the Warriors?
1: You want me to go first?
0: (laughs) Oh, no, we definitely want you to go.
1: Okay. I I mean, so he's coming off a knee injury, right? And so I don't think we should expect superstar status yet this year or even next year maybe in year three we'll start seeing you know a little bit more growth in his game kind of like the same track record that we saw DeAndre Ayton with Phoenix Um, that could be I'm hoping that that is kind of like where he's going because DeAndre it took a couple years before he found his footing and then you saw it he he started getting it in the pick and roll he was dominating the high and low in the finals um, and he was going toe-to-toe with Giannis you know, what the, one of the greatest players play the game right now. Um, and so I, I, I hope, I hope that's what we see from James and that he stays healthy and we don't get any more injuries. And in a couple of years, we're looking back at this time and just being like, why were we all worried? You know, he's, he's a right. he's an excellent center and, and facilitator and contributor.
0: Well, I like I I love his athleticism. I mean, he's an incredible athlete, and hopefully the injury is not going to slow him down too much. Because we're always concerned. In fact, actually, I'm, I'm coaching Leandro Barbosa, who's you know with the Warriors, who's still at 39 years of age is still the Brazilian Flash. He still can move. He's, he's doing a great job on three, with the three uh, the the big three team I'm coaching, and talked to him a lot about Clay, and you know we both agree that the main concern is going to be his defense. You know, will he have be a half a step slower, and what's going to do for his defense? not worry about his offense because the type of player that he is, that's not a factor for him. Um, So we'll wait and see what happens. But certainly for, for uh, the center position, I mean, if you, if you get a little bit slow, that could be a problem. And that's what I really loved about him his athleticism. But the, what I've heard about the thing is, is that his knowledge of the game, as far as having that great feel for the game, don't know if that's there. That's always a problem with me, Kristen, because I always look at players, In 10 minutes, I can tell whether a guy has a natural feel for the game. And if he doesn't, I really have serious doubts about whether I want him on my team because you can never teach that. We can talk about, you know, Kuninga, we can help him with the shooting. We can help him with other aspects of the game, but you can't teach a feel for the game. It's either there or it's not there. So your thoughts on, on, uh, on Wiseman as to his feel for the game.
1: I agree. I mean, you, we saw a little bit of everything his rookie season where He looked like he was getting it. And then he looked completely lost. And so it's like, what coming are we going to get? And I know, I know he was nervous and I know he was trying to do everything he could, but yes, he was a half a second late on block shots. Uh, He was in the wrong position offensively, you know, and, and missed the pass and you saw Draymond getting on him constantly. Like he was fully, he was like the one student in the Draymond school of basketball. And like you just saw how frustrated he was. And so, <laughs> yeah. Going forward, I think, you know, year two, it won't be so nerve wracking. And year three, you know, he'll get a little bit more confident because with him, confidence is everything. I mean, when he was the number one player in high school, you have never seen a more confident mm-hmm. and more sure of himself player than James Wiseman.
2: Yeah. Not well, right. that's
0: the, the confidence is everything. You got to believe in yourself. And, and, and unfortunately, hopefully it didn't destroy him or hurt him to the point where he's not going to recover from that. And as we know, and I've talked about this for, forever usually it takes big men a little bit longer to make the yeah. adjustment to the nba so i mean but they need them to hopefully make a nice jump and forward for this season coming up because this is what it's all about you know they've got they got Steph and clay and draymond and we've got three maybe four year window here that they're going to have the best chance. so all these other guys are going to have to step up if they're going to have a chance to get back to the pinnacle of success. So uh, yeah, we're talking with, uh, with Kristen Peake here. She's uh, really knowledgeable when it comes to the, to the young players. So how do you see these guys all the time? Do you go to high school games all the time?
1: I do. I go to high school uh, and AAU events. I'm actually, I'm after this podcast, I'm going to an AAU event here in Las Vegas before summer league on Sunday. So, why so I came out a couple of days early and um, yeah, you get, you have to see them. You have to see them when they're young. So you can see the development because if they plateau at any point, um, then you know what their ceiling is going to be as an NBA player. So
0: well, see why, why don't the other scouts that are out there that are doing stuff for the NBA understand that I kept telling people. Exactly. Yes. When I'm looking, when I'm looking at players and you see a guy coming in, especially when back in the days when they actually stayed in school for four years Mm -hmm. and you watch and you look at his performance, I, I want to see a guy that's getting better every year. Right. Yeah. And, and I, the perfect example—you're pro- you're too young to probably know this—is a guy that played with one of my sons at Georgia Tech named James Forrest. He was like a LeBron James, a man child. I mean, this incredible, amazing body. He was that—he never got better. <laughs> I mean, he was unbelievable when he first came in, but he never got better, and he really didn't make something. I thought, man, this guy's going to have such a nice upside but he never got better. And that's why what you're looking at and you're seeing is what, I don't know how they don't chart him and look at this stuff. If a a guy's coming and he's done great in his freshman year, does great in his sophomore year, and all of a sudden he's no better in his junior or his senior year or whatever it may be, man, I got to have some serious reservations about that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Is is that how you evaluate?
1: That is, I mean, I see these players so much and I was, honestly, I was just talking to um, an NBA exec about it in the sense where it's like, when I'm like, I see them so much to when it comes for the draft and Intel and information, it's like, okay, I've seen them take games off. And I've also seen them be awesome. Like I can tell you both and you can decide like which player you're going to get, or I can tell you which player I think they're going to be at the NBA level when they have all the money and responsibility and pressure. But I've seen them so much from the time that they're freshmen in high school, you know, they're one year in college or the G league. And then finally to the NBA, it's like, I have a huge sample size, like almost too much, but I'd rather have that because I'd rather know, like I put the work in, I was in the gym constantly and consistently. And, um, to be able to speak knowledgeably and confidently about what I think of them as a prospect.
0: Well, I would tell you something I will echo what my cohort in crime, the surf man himself, Cyrus Satch just, just got done saying about you. An NBA team and should be warriors should seriously consider bringing you on board to be that person, to watch them, to help them, because it all comes down to who do you draft? Who do you get in free agency? Who do you trade for? It's all about the players and you hope you get a coach that doesn't screw it up. I mean, that's really, really comes down. A greatest coach in the world is not going to win with inferior talent. And you have to recognize that. And what you do is unique Uh, I think it's absolutely awesome. I congratulate you on what you've done. And somebody on the pro level should take a serious look. If I were owner or general manager of a team, I would hire you tomorrow. I'm serious.
2: Yeah, I mean, you played college ball. You're you know this game as well as anyone. I I've been yeah. I, every time I, I I follow you on Twitter, I read everything you post. You clearly know this game. If I was a GM, I'd hire you immediately. Uh, I feel like all 30 NBA teams are right now are squandering an incredible talent with you. Uh, by the way, uh, there's two other young players of the Warriors. If you don't mind me asking about, um, one they just traded in Eric Pascal. And the other is entering his second year and he was a phenom in high school, but didn't really light it up in college as much. And that's Nico Mannion. Uh, Why do you think the Warriors traded Pascal? Was was it smart to let him go? Do you think he could actually be a great player? And do you think Mannion has a future in the NBA?
1: Honestly, I think Pascal, like we saw in college, like he was solid, solid, very dependable in college. And I think for the Warriors, that's, I mean, he's just going to be a solid role player and contributor. And so it's like, how many of those do you need on a team? Mm -hmm. And when you, when you take two newbies, like, uh, like Moses and JK, John Kaminga, it's like, all right, well, we need to make some room for growth. And and like, is he going to be a star? Probably not. Like he he's great. He's reliable, but they needed to make some room. So I don't mind the trade. And as far as Nico, I mean, it's so funny with Nico because he was incredible in high school. Mm-hmm. Like I once saw him score six points in six seconds where he like crossed over a guy, hit a three, and then there's three seconds left. And the inbound play steals the inbound play, turn around three in the corner, right? Then in college, he goes to Arizona, not a great fit for him, kind of loses his confidence, gets drafted late. You know, I wouldn't say like going in, like the, the drafts going into his college year, they had him in like the first round or late lottery. You know, so to have that and then not do well, not perform, and drop to mid-second rounds, I think it hurt him a little bit. But he's a workhorse. Like I think he'll be fine. I think this second season will be a telltale sign of like Mm. what he's gonna be. So if he if he is in the off season like working his ass off and like really trying to hone in and build his body up a little bit more, get a little bit quicker um, for this season, then yeah, he's, he'll be a solid NBA player, but, Mm. um, you know, is he a surefire bet? No.
2: (laughs) Wow. Okay. All right. Um, Kristen, I don't know how much you follow the NBA in general. Rick and I were going to do a bit here, uh, of the winners and losers of the off season in the NBA. I was wondering if you wanted to participate with us.
1: Maybe I I mean there's been like so there's been so
2: much going on on free agents so much going on. So much going on. Well, <laughs> well, well well let me start and then Rick, you can you can jump in and and uh, just you know, provide feedback and Chris and you can throw your own. Here are my winners of the off season. There's still a few free agents out there, but we kind of have a good picture right now. For example, the Warriors still have their mid level exception. I really hope they use it on Paul Millsap. I've been wanting him on the Warriors for a long time. But the offseason winners for me are the LA Lakers. I don't think they're winning the championship. I do think they're overrated, but they made so many moves that were good, in my opinion, for that team.
1: Can I tell you something real quick? Yeah, please. the Lakers? So, This is incredible. At Peach Jam, um, down there was... uh, LeBron was down there coaching his son. Carmelo has a team. He was down there. And Russell Westbrook has a team, and he was coaching his team. And for Game 6 of the NBA Finals, uh, Russell Westbrook and Carmelo were in the lobby bar watching the game together and just like, I mean, you could see them talking and, you know, like, and just shaking their head. And so I'm wondering if there was kind of like a mini meeting between LeBron and the two of them at peach jam at a AAU tournament to be like, all right, no, let's do this. Like, let's make a run. Let's, let's go win a championship happening in like North Augusta, South Carolina.
2: (laughs) Rick, did this happen in your day where players would just kind of meet up, you know, behind the scenes? No, nothing, bought?
0: nothing, ha- nothing happened in my day. Uh, we did, we did nothing. I'm kind of like Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing. I see nothing. I mean, there was nothing that went on. We had no trainer. We had no agility coach, no speed coach. We took, we drove our own cars. On, I mean, it's just, it was a totally different world. It's I, I, would almost give anything, not just for the fact that I'd have three more zeros on my contract and have a $200 million five-year deal, Plus uh, guaranteed it, it's because of the fact that that how much better I would be as a player. If I had what's available to these players today, I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump higher. It'd be unbelievable because I'm will, I was willing to put the time and the effort and the work into it because I wanted to be great. And, but I didn't have anything. We did nothing, zero. We did nothing. We never lifted. We did nothing. I, it's crazy. <laughs> I said to myself, how the hell did I survive with all this stuff these guys have? it's amazing it's amazing so i'm sure those guys talked about it though Kristen. I'm. Just, there's no doubt they're not going to yeah. talk about it because that's the whole thing today it's all about trying to put together and get on a team to win a championship and you know what i have no problem with that i, I have absolutely no problem with that isn't the object the, the object is to go ahead and get one of these right there you can see that because we people can't oh, see it. It's, and people get, who, it it's to get people, a, it's, to, it's championship ring it's to win championships and whatever you can do to be able to do that within the confines of, of the rules and not breaking any rules, hell, if you can get a player to come play with me that you know is going to help you win, that's why I went to the Rockets. It was so disappointing. That was the most talented team I ever played on. Aww. And we should have had a chance to win a championship there if, if, if everything was done properly, and which it wasn't. I mean, it's, you it know, wasn't utilizing the talent as effectively as it should be used. And I think that's what it really comes down to. So. Anyway, uh, okay, i ran got my rant off on No,
2: that. your go. rant is good. I love your rants. But no, I, the listeners should know Rick was holding up his uh, cha- 1975 Warriors NBA championship ring, which you let me hold once. And I, I still, to this day, I have a vivid memory of that. It was just, um, thank you. Thank you to this day for that. It is weird that I'm guessing your ring pales in comparison to the ones they make today. Oh, but, God, uh, if I could show the picture. I have a
0: picture <laughs> of me with Joe, with Joe Lacob's ring when I was at one of the games after they got the rings. I happened to be sitting with Joe at, at, you know, on the court. And I took a picture of his ring compared to mine, and I show it to people all the time. They say, oh, that's so nice. I said, yeah, well, wait do you see what the Warriors got. Right, it's right. It's unbelievable. The, the, the ring of the Warriors, I think the cost of the Warriors ring was probably as much money as I made in my first two full years playing in the <laughs> NBA. All right,
2: well, here are my other offseason winners real quick. The Washington Wizards, uh, who, who traded Westbrook to the Lakers. They get, they got back um, Kyle Kuzma. They signed Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, uh, Beal still with the team. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. That's a random team to say is a winner, but I thought they did make good moves. Um, The New York Knicks um, adding Kemba Walker, uh, re-signing Derrick Rose, giving Randall the extension. I thought they were winners. They're relevant for the first time in like 15 years. Um, the Chicago Bulls, I thought, were winners. I mean, they got Lonzo Ball. They added De- uh, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, they already have Levine. Um, and they got the the center from Orlando, who I'm brain farting on his name because I'm finding a cold here. I'm sorry. but point is, the Bulls could be a playoff team next year now. The Miami Heat were clear winners this offseason, adding Kyle Lowry and uh they signed victor aladipo even though he probably he's probably not going to play this year but they kept all their key players um and then the milwaukee bucks they kept everyone and they made a few additions as well uh your thoughts on that do you agree that those are the winners of the offseason and anyone else you want to mention
1: i agree except for the washington wizards because i find i find i mean it doesn't matter who's there they just can't (laughs) find a way to win it's so frustrating to watch you're so
2: true you're so true
1: and so I mean I can't put them in any winner category in uh. any off season <laughs> no matter who they bring in it's just uh, it's love not it. it's not gonna work
2: oh uh, that's how I felt that's I think everyone felt about that way about the Knicks for for so long until until now for the first time ever and then here are my losers of the of the off season our Golden State Warriors I don't think they've done enough. I mean, it still could be determined. But right now, you lost Ubre Jr. for nothing. Um, if your draft picks come through, and and Kristen, you're making me feel great about that, maybe the story changes. But right now, the Warriors have really not done anything to help out they're threesome uh, to to come back in championship contention. Um, the Boston Celtics haven't done anything this offseason. I didn't see them really add anyone of significance. It makes uh, Al Horford is is I don't think it's gonna make a difference. They lost Kemba Walker. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, weird that they signed Andre Drummond. I, I really don't understand that to be honest. Um, but they really added no one else. Ben Simmons is disgruntled. Reports are he's not even talking to the team or answering MB's uh, phone calls. I don't know if you've heard that. So he wants out, and supposedly he wants to join the Warriors. Uh, so at that point, it becomes what you know. The question then becomes, what's the price, right? I don't know if the Warriors want to give up that much for him. Um, Toronto Raptors lost a lot of players, and I think they wanted to move on from Pascal Siakam, but they had no uh, the uh, winning bidders to trade for him. And last but not least, the Dallas Mavericks, who I don't think really did anything to help Luca's chances of winning a title this year. Your thoughts?
1: I agree. Although I really, really, really love uh, the Raptors taking Scotty Barnes at number four. I think he's the most unique player in this draft class, and he can add a lot of value to any program. And he's someone like, I don't know any player that loves the game of basketball more than Scotty Barnes and will literally do whatever it takes to win a game um so i would i wouldn't put them in the losers category i just put them okay. in like the you know in, in in between in the limbo well
0: trying right. to actually just trying to salvage things after losing some of the people that they lost i mean it's you just want to keep yourself obviously being competitive and add some elements to it that you know that you can add to in the years to come to hopefully bring you back to that championship caliber level so uh yeah i would agree with that i you know the whole thing about all of this stuff I, you got to go to school and this is why I don't even want to get involved in it. With all of the ramifications, with salary caps and everything else, it's like you have to take a course in that, that you really truly understand it. And it really makes it very difficult. People don't understand how difficult and convoluted and complicated it is to try to figure all of this stuff out with, you know, matching salaries, this guy here, do you want to pay the luxury tax and all? My whole thing though is, is, and you need somebody expert in that area, but it still comes down to recognizing talent and, and understanding who can and can't play the game? I, I just am dumbfounded by watching some of these games, and I watch the playoffs and see some of these players playing who have glaring weaknesses in certain areas of the game and are making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year. I, I, I just don't understand that. There are so many guys out there that I. You see want answers? Because, I think I'm entitled. Yeah. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. They can't handle it. Well, the problem is, is that they can't handle the, the truth about it is the truth is, is that they don't know what the hell they're doing when it comes to picking talent. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, there is no way that I would draft some of the players and I, I haven't followed as close. I mean, I'm just looking at numbers when it came to, you know, to Kaminga and things of that nature, which, you know, I mean, shooting statistics don't lie. I mean, if you're shooting 26 to 36 percent in 62, those are your percentages. I mean, that's what you're doing. It's not very impressive, but you can get better. And so that, that's the thing I don't understand as to why they waste so much money on sending these guys all over the place. How long does it take? 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes to watch a player. And I'll tell you whether I want to watch him anymore again, because I'm going to look for the one thing I just mentioned earlier. Does he have a feel for the game a natural feel for the game? If he does, then you go into a lot of other things to find out, you know, just whether or not you really want to have him on your basketball team. So your, your thoughts on what you've seen, Tristan, over the years, when you see these young people coming up and you see who they choose in the draft, do you shake your head in astonishment like I do? And what is it that you that you see?
1: It's it's hit or miss. I mean, there's some players where it's just kind of like a head scratcher, like <laughs> like really like. 1st y'all are gonna take Josh Primo at twelve. Like we're we're doing this.
2: So you so you're 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 sharing the sentiments of most people that that was kind of wild, right? But I mean... I'll tell
1: you this: I just saw Josh play um, in a game yesterday or two days ago in salt lake city it was his first game as a spurs and there were some like glimpses of exciting moments but he's 18 Mm -hmm. he's not going to be a solid contributor year one hopefully year two um but i think it was just one of those things where the spurs saw him they know they know he's he was going to be a lottery pick next year no question and they just decided like all right well let's do it let's let's bring him in Give him a year to develop. Like he was very coachable on the bench. Like the coach would pull him aside, like really try to explain different things to him. And Josh was receptive to what he was hearing. Um, but would I take him at twelve? Uh, no.
2: <laughs> I forgot to name the biggest loser by the way this offseason, and, and to me, and that is the Sacramento Kings. Was it smart to draft Davion Mitchell? I thought he, I, from my perspective, I thought the Warriors were going to draft him, and I was excited about it. And and then Kaminga fell to them. Uh, was that smart of the Kings to have three point guards on their team? Is Davion Mitchell worth it?
1: I thought they were going to get rid of Buddy Healed when I saw that they were going to take Davion. And here's the problem. Sacramento is a horrible defensive team. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Who is the best defender in this draft class? Davion Mitchell. And so like, and Davion, I mean, like he, like, you know what his nickname is? His nickname is off night because every player that goes against him has an off night. That's his nickname. Oh, wow. um, and I don't know, like, I I can't imagine that you guys saw his first <laughs> his first game uh, in Summer League, but he had 23 points, like, was the best player on the court by far. Oh. So he's trying to make a statement like he doesn't understand why he's in Sacramento, but he's going to do the best he can with it and, you know, try to make it worth everyone's while.
2: Do you think yeah. the Warriors well, made a mistake not drafting him? Sorry, Rekha. I, I was just – because because yeah, I no, really guys. thought that's who – I really thought that's who they were going to pick was Davion and he was going to be uh Steph Curry's successor. Eventually. I do, do you think Kaminga was the better choice for them?
1: I do. I do. Okay. Good. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Davion Mitchell is not the next Steph Curry.
2: All right. That's all yeah. I need to hear. Well, I, don't, <laughs> th- I you. don't think
0: there's going to be too many next steps. I know. You I know. have to wait a while for that. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big shoes to fill over there. Oh, we got, we got,
1: is- we got a, 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 a little bidding one who just signed a max contract in Atlanta. That's Trey young. So he, I Mm -hmm. think is like the first child in the Steph Curry generation.
0: Yeah, no question. Yeah. He's he's a guy that you would, you would certainly relate to, uh, to Steph Curry, the way he's going about playing the game. But I I also love John Moran. I mean, I just he's so much fun to watch, but here's what has to happen. What has to happen for the Warriors. If they're not going to make a move, like you said, in 30 days, they can do stuff and trade. If they don't do anything with Moody and Kaminga, maybe lightning will strike twice because in 1975, you just don't count on rookies being an integral part of a team's success to win a championship. And we had that happen. We had Keith Wilkes. who was Jamal Wilkes. who was Keith Wilkes at the time who became rookie of the year and Phil Smith. And they were two critical elements to our success as a championship team. So maybe, maybe we'll say a prayer and everything. Maybe if they keep them both Moody and Kaminga, will be able to play that kind of a role for the warriors just the upcoming season. I I certainly hope so because I really do care about the team. Um, I have incredible fond memories and uh, I I just hope that they get back to being competitive again to where they really are a team to be contending for the championship once again. But at this point, I'm not big optimistic about it. I don't, what I see right now doesn't get me overly excited. I have major, major concerns, your thoughts.
1: I agree. I thought they should have tried to make a go at Brad Beal and trade mm-hmm. 7 and 14 and maybe Andrew Wiggins to get him and everyone was like, "Well, but this is like no, but Brad Beal, you know that you can plug him in right away. He's going to be an instant impact player and yes, you might be giving up future, but the Warriors are in a win now mode." So, mm-hmm. I was surprised that they kept the picks as well and and or no, no, I'm sorry. It's a 7, 14, Wiseman and Wiggins for for the cat space um but uh you know it is what it is and i never question any front office and their decision like they have their reasons and you just if you're a warriors fan you you're hoping you're you're putting your trust in that they made the right decision and they know what they're doing
2: well it sounds like from you they did so i'm excited about I, that. i'm
1: excited about them but yeah
2: awesome anything else rick
0: yeah, well, I just was curious of your thoughts about like I know that we were talking about the uh, mid-level exceptions opportunities, and uh, I know that uh, Cyrus is a big uh, Millsap fan, and but there's also Robin Lopez. They talked about what Ed Davis. No, he's gone. They, Ed Davis is they, gone. Davis I, don't is gone. Davis I don't know
2: if da- I don't know if Ed Davis signed. Robin Lopez signed with someone. I can't remember who, but he's off okay, the list. Okay, well,
0: these are all the guys we were talked about. So there's not really much left over there, you know, for them in that in that particular area to be able to pick up somebody that's going to be able to that you know what you're getting and can contribute to the team so uh, hearing that i wow i uh, i don't know I'll just keep my fingers crossed <laughs> I guess to say a prayer yeah I'm, I think, I just hate it? to see i just hate to see them i just hate to see them waste this chance with the with these you know three outstanding players who were a nucleus of a championship team before kD wound up joining them but you got to put the right people around them. Um, you know, and bringing Igadala back is certainly not the answer. I mean, he's he's not the Iguodala of, of three, four, five years ago. So, anyway, uh, your thoughts on the Warriors' chances, Kristen? Before we let you go, as to uh, where would you say they are? Uh, where would they fall in? What what position in in the end of the season you think the Warriors might have a chance to be if everything stays the way it is right now?
1: I think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're a championship team, especially in the West and how competitive it is. But mm-hmm. I think they're they're definitely a playoff team. Cool. All right, we'll yeah. Well, if those
0: guys are healthy, (laughs) I I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. But it's just it's just sad to know that you're a team that maybe you can be a playoff team, but you don't have a chance to to really do much. And honestly,
1: nobody nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, who saw the Suns, you know, in Milwaukee being in the finals? Like it was like the perfect storm. So. You don't know how that like how things are going to fall next season, what injuries are going to happen, you know, what games like Kawhi Leonard goes down, but they still be the jazz, the number one team in the NBA to advance, you know, so you just you don't know what's going to happen. And that's the beauty of the NBA. So you can say they're a playoff team and then see all the chips fall into order and, you know. Hey,
0: 1975, we weren't even supposed to be a playoff team. Look what happened. So yeah,
1: I'm a very half glass full person. So you you'll always, always say
0: if you're going to be an NBA fan, you have to have, always expect the unexpected. Yeah, You got to live Absolutely. by that motto. You really truly do because you just don't know what's going to happen. I told people I would never bet a, a one penny on an NBA game. Having been there and been through it and everything, because you never know what's going to happen. You may think you do. And a lot of people really do think they do, especially a lot of the talking heads on TV that I would love to get on a show with them sometime. Uh, but, yeah, that's what it comes down to. You just and have Rick, to expect notice, the unexpected.
2: Absolutely. And Rick, notice how astute uh, and intelligent Kristen is where she won't criticize NBA GMs ever. Because one smart. of them might hire her. If one of them are smart, well, they're going to hire her. If they were her, you smart,
0: know? they would hire you. That's okay. We get you know. a PR for him to do something. I'll tell you right now, you would be a great <laughs> asset because of the fact of, of the research and what you do and the effort and time you put in, knowing the game as you do, to get a really good evaluation of this young talent coming along because it comes down to number one and all. Who are you drafting? Who are you going to bring onto your team? And the knowledge that you bring and the information that you bring, I think, is invaluable to a basketball team. And they'd be foolish. Not to have somebody like you on their staff.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you uh, for saying you that.
0: You can follow hey, Chris. enjoy your enjoy your yeah. AAU game and the uh, and the summer league and uh, and, You'll and always, all the best. You can
1: to you. you can always find me in the gym. I'm always in the gym. I'm always you know watching games. So that's that's my. Well, life. I'll
0: be back down there next week. And myself and you know, with the big three, we got a We got a game to play next Saturday down there in the G. I thought they were getting us out of there while the summer league was going on, but we will be there for that one weekend next weekend. So. It'll be interesting. i you know, maybe pop over and see what's going on. But then again, it's all on television, so that makes it easier. So I can actually sit and have, you know, have a, you know, caffeine-free diet Pepsi or something and some <laughs> popcorn, and not have to deal with all the other stuff. Anyway, awesome. thanks so much, Kristen. We really do appreciate
2: it. Thank you so much. You can follow Kristen Peek on Twitter at at Kristen Peake. Kristen is spelled K-R-Y-S-T-E-N-P-E-E-K. Thank you so much, Kristen. You're always amazing.
1: Thank you guys Thank for you. having me. Anytime.
2: All
0: the best. Bye bye. Yeah, we got to hope that she'll talk to us when she gets a good job with one of the teams. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Awesome, Rick. Well, it was always a pleasure. And, you know, all we can do is hope that the Warriors use that at that mid-level exception. It's, it's 5.9 million is the approximate amount they have to spend and that they spend it wisely or that they or that we see a trade soon for a you know megastar player to combine with the big three they have now. Um, because you're right. I think we're I think we're in consensus that this team, the way it's currently constructed, it's a playoff team but it's not a championship team. And so they're kind of building for the future while still trying to stay relevant now, but that's not a, a proper strategy. If you want to win a championship now, it'd be like if the Lakers surrounded LeBron with a bunch of rookies, you know, it wouldn't work. They might be a playoff team, but they're not going to win a championship. So I hear you, man. I hear you. So
0: who, let's just, before we finish off, let's quickly. So out of the guys, cause there was a big story about five guys, you know, that were, uh, Possibly there for the mid-level exception, and your your favorite guy, uh, Millsap is. Oh, is Millsap,
2: gone. yeah. Would you agree with that? Like, do you think Millsap would be a good addition to the team?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, he does a great job, and you know what you're going to get from him. I mean, it's not like it's you know it's a, you know you expect you can get this or you can get that. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean he, I mean actually, you know, shot over oh it's 37 percent I think from threes, which is good shooting from threes for a guy. Exactly. He's got, size, exactly. He's got some strength. He's got experience. So you know, I think you, good, I think you. I think.
2: I think he'd be great. And and the reason why the list I've sent you that like everything's updated so much recently, um, I could tell you here are some names I can give you right now who is still available that they could possibly add for the mid level. Avery Bradley is still out there. Uh, he might actually be a really good pick for them. Um, hold on. I had this other list here. Uh, Laurie uh, Markinen um played for the yeah. Bulls. uh he's a big man who can also shoot outside uh, I don't know if Dennis Schroeder would be appealing I know he wants a lot of money so I don't know if he would be signed for the Emily but uh he's still out there um and, and then there's Millsap and, and that's really there, there's a handful of other names out there here's a here's another thing Rick, that concerns me of the Warriors right now James Wiseman is the only center on the roster I know they got that other guy, uh, uh uh what's his name that they added recently uh in free agency. His name was uh Nemanja Jelica. I think that's yeah, how you I pronounce can't it. Pronounce all
0: those names. But uh
2: yeah, sorry for the mispronunciation there. But uh, you know, I guess technically he's a big man, but they don't have any natural centers on the roster except for Wiseman. And he's not even gonna play right away because he's still rec- recuperating from that knee injury. So I, I don't know where the rebounding is gonna come from. That's why I I won Millsap. You know, I don't know who else is playing center. It, it always, its always weird to me that Kevon Looney is a center. Like he's not really a center. He's a six-nine power forward, or even a small forward, maybe. I guess he's a power forward. Yeah, so, but nowadays I
0: mean, there are no centers. So yeah, like, <laughs> you're playing against teams and nobody's under the basket. You got five guys on the perimeter for heaven's sake, and they all want to shoot three-point shots.
2: Yeah. So I just yeah,
0: I mean yeah, you just look at stuff. I mean, you look at situations and you see what it is. I mean, you talk about the heights and stuff. So you look. I got the Warriors' rosters in front of me. You know, you, you got Stefan Draymond, six six. You know, Kaminga, six six. Then you got you know, six six, six five, six nine Looney. Then you're right. I mean, six nine Looney and seven one James Wiseman. I mean, that's
2: it. And the and the free agent they added uh, Jalika I don't, again. Yeah. I got to learn how to pronounce that. But he's six ten. Uh, but he's thirty three yeah, years old. So, I don't know. I just I just I I, I I I don't the warrior. I don't know why the Warriors are so averse to adding legitimate big men because. Nikola Jokic is still out there, you know, like the, the Lakers are going to have Dwight Howard out there, you know, like the the Utah Jazz have Rudy Gobert out there, right. you know, like the Sixers have Joel Embiid. There are a lot of teams, like when you play the Bucks, who are you going to use to, to match up against Brooke Lopez and Giannis? You need size in this game. And I do not understand why they are so averse uh, to adding big men. You need it. You know, I, I, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know, that's one of the many things. No, it's a everybody- very,
0: it's a very small team. I mean, it's a small, now they don't have any small guards, but they're still, I mean, Steph Curry's six, three, but, but that's, that's a small team. I mean, this it's is a, a small, small ball, you know, yeah, and Wiseman, of course, Wiseman. the way he runs the court and stuff and everything you can play the up-tempo stuff, but he's got to develop into a, into an intimidator, somebody that's thinking twice about going in there and hoping that he can block some shots, get the rebound, kick it out, run the floor um you know looney that's you know that's not looney looney's not somebody that's gonna be terribly intimidating to go ahead and drive up against i mean (laughs) yeah i I agree so right now we're looking at a team that uh if the rookies come through and everything will be a playoff team but um the chances there's a lot of things would have to happen for them to have any chance in the western conference to go and and get to the finals of the nba right now so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens uh with the opportunity that's there like you say with doing something with their draft picks and i guess they'll do a real serious evaluation to see what happens in the summer league and how these guys actually play and see how they may fit in. Um, but yeah, uh,
2: I don't know. I I, I love Kristen peak. I, you know, she's amazing. I I can't thank her enough for coming on with us. Uh, by the way, Rick, you, you, uh, you have a CBD product. Do you want to promote that real quick that you, I've seen you on Twitter, giving us some love.
0: Yeah, I, I always I always give a lot of that stuff some love. I mean, I it's it's a great product. Actually, CBD is a big big thing right now. And actually we're right. finally starting teams to let people actually use that. Uh and the name of the company is Medisoleaf. Uh and people can go to uh uh Medisaleaf.com. And if you go to Medisaleaf.com in the promo code, you just put my number 24 and you'll get a nice discount on it. You can look and see what they have. They're SAB and some of the other products are outstanding. It's the they're on the, the Professional Pickleball Association, which I play a lot now. They're a big sponsor of that tour. And we, we've had just incredible stories from people and fans that have used the product. It's a heck of a product. So you should check that out. And it's not just if you're an athlete. This is for anybody having problems, you know, inflammation, things of that nature, sleep products, right. things like that. You should definitely give it a shot and try it out. And the other thing is if you do have issues and you got problems with your calves or Achilles or your knees or whatever it is, there's another one called Ghost Sleeves. You, see, you go to uh, ghostsleeves.com and uh, they have, they have great stuff as well. Um, wonderful product. In fact, I'm trying to get some for clay to try on and wear and do some, which I think would be very helpful for him. I just want to have him try it because mm-hmm. I, I don't even need to wear them. And I wear them when I play pickleball all the time. And uh, it's, it's, it's it's worth it. They're very comfortable. Um, and yeah, they should definitely, definitely uh, give that a, an opportunity to try that. And if you go to the website, and uh, you put RB24 in there, you'll get a nice uh, discount on those products as well. RB24, okay. and uh, you go to uh, again, go to, to Ghostsleeves.com, dot scom So those are just a couple of the things that I'm doing. But I'm going to have my website up, hopefully not too long from now. Uh, Rick Barry24, and everything that okay. I'm involved with will be on there, so people can check that all out. And, uh, Beautiful. I, I only I only get involved with stuff that I know. Is, that is good stuff that I use personally. And so I highly recommend all of these things.
2: Anyway, excellent. You can, the best to and you can follow Hunder Rick Barry. Yeah, yeah, we can follow, and people can follow Rick, Rick, uh, on all social media platforms at Rick 24, Barry, definitely give him a follow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dog surf roadshow and you can follow this network where all our shows are featured at warriors 24 pod. Rick, always a pleasure, sir. Great seeing you and talking to you.
0: All the best to you, everybody. Take care. And we'll talk to you next time around.
2: Presented by Bet Online.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.